So it's that time of year in a week or so and lots of people will join gyms. <laughs> Some people may even write lists about what they're going to change in the new year. And I actually kind of like that idea. I have to be honest. I kind of like the idea of New Year's resolution. Not everybody does. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I found this, uh, this survey here and it says that... Um, some of the top things that people choose is to lose weight, get organized, spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, stay fit and healthy, learn something exciting, quit smoking, help others in, in achieving their dreams, fall in love, spend more time with family. Those are all great, but they're not ultimate things. We're going to talk about some ultimate things today we might want to set as New Year's resolutions. Um, by the way, the percentage of Americans who usually make New Year's resolutions, 45%. Yeah, and the percentage of people who are successful in achieving the resolution, 8%. So good luck. <laughs> I found these uh, recently. They're toddler New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm going to stop licking all the balls in the ball pit. Chuck, I guess that's Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, I won't squeeze out half a tube of toothpaste every time I brush my teeth, and also I'll uh, brush my teeth. Um, I, I'll delete fewer of mom's apps. Uh, I won't repeat the unfortunate marker incident of June 2017. Um, I'll try to give up pottying in the bathtub. I'm going to finally lose that baby weight. Come on. That was funny. Um, let's see. I'll try to make sure the books aren't upside down when I'm pretending to read them. That's so awkward. Um, I'm going to beat this mac and cheese addiction. <laughs> yep, let's quit on that one. How about that? Yeah. So um, I, this idea of, of starting the new year, I think it is a great opportunity to kind of reevaluate and reexamine. I read a, a chapter in a book many years ago from a, a, an author, a pastor, who said, and he kind of articulated, listed out all that he did between Christmas and New Year's. And it was all about closing up the previous year appropriately and being ready for the new year. And I thought uh, maybe we'll do a little of that today, just in the brief uh, few moments we have. And uh, so uh, it's 1 Peter 1.13 says this. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. Now, uh, in seminary, they teach you to uh, do uh, sermons with three points. Like, they're supposed to have three points. I want you to read this passage with me again. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Three, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. There's my whole talk right there. That's it. Those three points. But I'm not done. Don't kid yourself. I have more. So here's the deal. This whole idea of preparing your minds. If we're going to launch into a new year, we need to finish this year well and prepare for the new year. And so one of the things I wanted to do was do communion, do the gratitude thing, because we need to be grateful and acknowledge that God has been at, our work, at work in our lives up to this point. And if we can get that uh, started, then we have a good foundation to go into the new year. Now, what is interesting about this is prepare your minds for action. What, if you read the King James, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. You didn't even know you had loins, much less how to gird them. And so it's a great picture, though, because the picture, if you will, if you will and a great picture of how we need to move into the new year. Uh, if you'll imagine with me, you know, the, the Roman guy with the toga thing, you know, uh, a long one, like robe kind of deal. And, and all of a sudden, there is something. There is either a 
fight or flight situation where he either has to fight or he needs to run away from someone, whatever. And what this gird up your loins really means is to grab that long robes, pick them up, you know, so your legs are free and you tuck them inside your leather belt. That's all it means, to be ready for action so that you can move, you can go, you can fight, you do whatever you need to do. And the picture here is that we need to get our minds ready for whatever it is God wants to do in the new year in our lives. Prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get anything that's going to trip you up out of the way. And, uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about how to do that, and then we'll talk about self-control and, and some other stuff. So um, I, found this, I found these eight things in a book a number of years ago, about, and it's written, it's a secular book, written about corporations. And it's written about people who work for corporations, companies, and what kind of trips them up and what causes them to not be able to keep moving forward in their, in their mission of, of whatever it is, uh, to make money, sell widgets, whatever it is. But I thought it was really interesting in helping us assess our present situation. I thought these things, they call them the serious seven, also happen to us as individuals. And if you enter into the new year with these all around your ankles ready to trip you up, then you're not starting with a solid foundation. So maybe we need to come to grips with these. So I'm just going to read them. I just thought they were interesting, kind of an interesting application uh, from this, this book. Uh, are you feeling overwhelmed? Overwhelmed is when you can't figure out where to start, like me, trying to clean my garage. Like my wife looks at it and she goes, well, let's do that, let's do that. I look at it and I just go, oh, no, I got some place to go. Because I, I don't know where to start, right? Feel overwhelmed. And you end up underachieving. Um, the Bible says we can, all, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Maybe you're feeling exhausted. You're not having any fun. You're burnt out. You're feeling cynicism coming at you, uh, becoming a part of your life, and you feel like shutting down. And the Bible teaches this great thing. It says that we're to wait upon the Lord and renew our strength, that we might rise up like eagles. What does waiting on the Lord look like? If you're feeling um, exhausted and maybe overwhelmed, maybe just some time with God. So there are times in my life when, when there is a dissonance. There's an internal dissonance, like, you know, nails on a chalkboard inside, but I can't figure out what it is. You ever have that? I'm not moving until you either say yes or no. <laughs> We're going to play this game together. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know it's like New Year's Eve and it's foggy, and, but I'm not foggy. I'm clear. And I want you to be as well. So here we go. Uh, so it, there is this, sometimes I have a sense that things aren't quite right, but I can't put my finger on what it is. You know, if I have an argument with somebody, I know what the problem is with that. It's usually me. But if there's some dissonance in there. There's something in there. And I have to go, and I just have to spend time with God. And not even just, I say, I'll acknowledge to God, yeah, there's something going on, I don't know what it is. But that's not the majority of my conversation with God. I'll just write about who God is and how great God is. And I'll talk to him about all the great things he's done for me. And, and I'll do that kind of stuff. And that waiting upon the Lord, waiting doesn't mean sitting there quietly necessarily, although it could. It means spending time with God. If I will spend time with God, I will find that my energies are renewed. Whatever the dissonance is, is put in perspective. And oftentimes I'll figure out what it is. But even if I don't, it's no longer kind of controlling my attitude in the moment. Waiting on God. If you find yourself exhausted, spend some time with God. And get a nap. Um, that helps sometimes. Directionless. Um, if we are directionless, maybe we're working hard, we're getting nowhere. We're spinning our wheels. Lots of tasks with no outcomes. Kind of leads to an overall mediocrity. But in Jeremiah, we're told that God knows the plans he has for you. In other words, God's got a plan for you. In other words, if you're still breathing, you're still here, you're here for a reason. If God was done with you, he would have taken you home already. Right? And so if you're feeling like there's no real reason for me being here, you're wrong. God's left you here for a reason. 
And we need to come to grips with what that is. We need to seek him, find his direction, find the inspiring things that he wants us to do and pursue them. Sometimes we feel hopeless. We lack purpose. We're not motivated. Again, um, by the way, when you can't find that next thing you're supposed to do, the Bible says that whatever you do, that means loving your kids, changing diapers, going to work, going to school, whatever, do it as unto the Lord. If you'll start doing it with an attitude that I'm doing this for God, and not just for me, it'll start to change your perspective on what you do and how you're doing it. You'll find that you're no longer kind of hopeless. And some of us are battle-worn and battle-torn. Uh, too much conflict in our life. We've kind of, kind of had so much conflict, we've lost the ability to trust people. And it becomes this dysfunctional kind of thing in our relationships. And, um, and we talked about it on uh, Christmas Eve. Sometimes we just need to pray for peace. We always want God to fix the circumstances, but maybe it's just us that needs to be fixed. Maybe we just need to say, Lord, I, all this conflict, all this stuff is wearing me down. I wish you would take care of that, but I wish more that you would give me peace in the midst of it, that I could deal with the conflict, because there's always going to be conflict in the world. It's never going to be a conflict. By the way, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the confidence in God that you can move forward in his strength, no matter what conflict there is around and so maybe you just need to begin to say, Lord, I need your peace. I need your courage. The conflict is still going to be there because you're human and the people around you are human. Therefore, there will be conflict. But praying for God's peace is one of the ways that we can kind of put behind us some stuff that trips us up, like battle weariness. How about worthless? We feel worthless. Um, we, we've had no wins recently, and we don't see any in the near future, no way to win. And we begin to kind of self-sabotage because we just don't think we can win. Um, in one point in John, Jesus, John 15, Jesus says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And then he goes on and he says a powerful thing. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. If you're a Christian today, you may think you chose to be a Christian. In a sense, you did, but Christ chose you first. And if you were chosen by God, you must be pretty special. You must have something about you that he loves dearly and wants in your life and for you you are not worthless. You are chosen. We begin to live as chosen people. Life changes. Sometimes we feel alone as well. It's because we're not a part of something bigger, even a family or a cause. We're not a part of something bigger. We feel like there's no impact. He says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. You are not alone. And, and you, if you can kind of grasp that, it'll change the way you move into the new year. If you can be begin to believe God's promises over your feelings, you will begin to have a different foundation for going forward in life. And as we enter this new year, we need to get rid of this stuff that so easily, as the scripture says, entangles us, trips us up, and move into a new year. You are who God says you are, not what other people say you are, not what your doubts say you are, not what your fears or hurts or whatever it says you are. You are who God says you are. And the year you will have can be the kind of year God says he wants for you if you will trust him and move into this new year free of all that pain stuff. So you got to let go of some stuff. You may have to let go of some of the past. Ephesians 4.20 says this, put off your old self, which, by the way, this is really interesting, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So much that we might put in a list to, to achieve in the new year. Some might be good, some might not be good, but it's not going to bring you everything you want. It might be good stuff, but most of our urges lie to us. They lie to us in the sense that it, they can't do what we think they're going to do for us. If I'm sad and I go drink something, uh, alcoholic, th the thought is that's going to make it better. That's a deceitful desire. It's not going to make it better. 
right? And if it's, if it's some kind of relational situation, my urge is to run away, but it's not going to make it better, right? And so what he says is you've got to put off the deceitful desires, those urges that will lead you in the wrong direction, and instead realize that you can put on a new self, which is created to be more like God in true righteousness. In other words, don't just fix the symptoms, fix the problem. You, fix what's going on. Become more like Christ, and you'll find life works better. Let go of the past. What's in the past? What kind of things should we let go of? I, I, not being from California originally, I understand the changing of the seasons. Here we have warm and warmer. Um, other places they have uh, cold and colder, and some places they have warm and cold. Uh, and I got a picture from my brother from Peoria, Illinois, on Christmas Day. Snow everywhere, and, and it was, uh, snowing at the time. And I was thinking, thank you, Jesus, for California. But anyway... Um, the way you can tell the seasons are changing in much of the world, and we have some trees like this, is when the leaves start turning brown, right? And they turn red or whatever it is, and eventually uh, they fall off the tree when the leaves start changing. There's some things in your life that's, that are starting to turn brown that you should pay attention to. And it might be relationships. Maybe you're involved in an unhealthy relationship or relationship with other people who are unhealthy and dysfunctional, and they're kind of influencing you in that direction. Have you ever been around somebody who's just always telling the first words out of their mouth, can you believe what that president did? I mean, we all think it. We don't need to say it out loud, right? Um, or can you believe that situation so-and-so? Can you? And about three times running into that person, I stop running into them. You know what I'm saying? I start going the other direction because they're not good for my mindset. I know what's going on in the world. I'm not in denial about anything, but I just can't fix it. I can fix what I can fix, and I can't fix what I can't fix, and they don't seem to understand that. And so that relationship starts to brown a little bit. And I probably need to get away from around the edges. It's starting to get a little, little decay. I'm going to get away from that relationship. Maybe there's some attitudes that I recognize have been unhealthy. I need to get away from those attitudes. What a great time to start. Go find some people who have healthy attitudes and say, teach me how to do that and hold me accountable. In this new year, I'm going to be more hopeful. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to be more like Christ in this way. Please help me do that. Some things you let go of. Now, parenthetically, I just want to give a caveat. If you feel that your spouse is the one, you do not get to walk away. Because when you said, I do, you will the rest of your life, according to God. So in that case, you've got a different set of circumstances and opportunities. You get to minister to them and care for them. You don't get to walk away. I don't want anybody to show up in my office saying, well, Doyle said, I'm healthy, I can walk away. That's the one caveat, okay? Don't be bringing that around here. Okay, so... Um, when new opportunities begin to present themselves, it require great belief and, and, and great bravery uh, and, and step in, in boldness. Step into those if you feel like they're coming from God. That's a part of the way of letting go of the past. When God begins to bring a holy restlessness in your life, a, a kind of a calling to something, something else. We also need to leave behind the hurt and, and the hopelessness. Yet endlessly rehearsing how we have been hurt. Endlessly rehearsing how we need to let go of that. God can't move us forward if we're always looking back. It's really hard to run forward when you're looking behind you all the time. We've got to let go of it. Some of you, and I'm going to say this kindly, gently, but some of you have been in mourning, and mourning is a healthy, it's a good process to a point. But at some point, you'll never lose the hurt of that loss. It'll always be there, but it doesn't have to be all-consuming. At some point, you need to move forward. You know, let God bring you comfort. Let God bring healing and hope, and you begin to move forward. Otherwise, you're all tangled up, and you can't run toward who God wants you to be and what he wants you to do. Here's what it says uh, in, in 2 Corinthians. Because a new year is a great time to start. 
by letting some stuff go and moving into some new stuff. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. In other words, God's doing a new thing, and I believe that he wants to do a new thing in your life this year. Also in Isaiah 43, it says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? So I'm, I'm going to give you a challenge. So if after service or sometime next week I were to have a personal, just have coffee with you and, and we were talking, and I would say, what are the things you're most grateful for? Because the exercise we did, and I hope you'll continue over the next few days, that you'll be able to say, I, this last year I'm so thankful that God did this and this and this. Okay? But I also would love to be able to say, and what do you think the cutting edge of your faith is? What do you think God is leading you into in this new year? Uh, so uh, the U.S. has, a, has a, a, a problem because we only have one icebreaker left. And, you know, the boats that break the ice. I, I, think, I think Russia has like 28 or something. We have one, and it's old, and it's breaking down. And they just kind of band-aid to keep it going. But it's essential to keep those routes uh, around the, the polar uh, North Pole open for shipping. And so they show this thing crashing through the ice. And, and it's kind of old and it needs help. I, f I feel that way about my faith sometimes. Because this faith is called a journey. He said, come follow me. He didn't say, just come sit around and let's talk. He said, follow me. And in my faith journey, I feel like I'm breaking through ice, new territory that I'm, I, I'm taking, whether it's in my character development or compassion, whatever it might be. And I would hope that if I were to ask you what that ice-breaking thing, where that cutting edge of your faith is, where the cutting edge of your spiritual growth is right now, what you might be guessing that God is doing in your life, going into a new year, I would hope that you'd given enough thought to articulate that. In this passage, do you not perceive that God is doing a new thing? What do you perceive that God might be doing in your life? What area of your character is he going to grow you in? Or is he trying to grow you in? What area of ministry or impact is he pointing you toward? He's breaking up the ice of, of your comfort zone to move you forward. What is it? I would challenge you to go home and, and today, tomorrow, you might have some time, write out the things that you are grateful for from this past year and then guess, try to perceive where God is leading you. What is the cutting edge of your faith? I can tell you, some of mine are just like everybody else is going to grow my character and help me be less selfish. I, some of this stuff we all do with. But I know some specific things. I don't know how we'll get there. I don't know exactly what it is he's leading me into, but I know some specific things in my life in the coming year that he is going to help me break through my comfort zone in. I challenge you to know what those are, to perceive those, pray about them. God, what is it you want me to be focusing so that I can cooperate with your work in my life? And then as you do that, you have to, or before you do that, you have to predetermine obedience it says this, prepare your minds for action, gird up the loins of your mind, right, and be self-controlled. Self-control is about follow-through. It's about thinking seriously about your life and your journey with God and then following through on that thing. What are you going to do? Let's say God wants to develop uh, your dependency on him. He wants you to know that he, that he is with you every day and to be more interactive with him on a daily basis. What could you do to do that? One guy, famous guy, a number of years ago, just set his alarm clock for every hour on the hour. And it went off, and he would just stop and pray because he felt like that, in that time, his name is Frank LeBach, by the way, in that time, he felt like God wanted to draw him close to be more aware of his presence. So every hour on the hour, he would just stop and talk to God for just a minute or two to be reminded that God was there and cared about whatever it was he was involved in. 
What can you do by way of self-control, of planning, that would help God's purpose in your life, help you move forward? And then it says to set your hope. And it's about God's grace. And whatever amount of God's grace you receive now, there is a promise that one day when we see him face to face, we will receive so much more of God's grace. Everything good in my life is God's grace. I can't imagine how much more he could dump on us, but he will. And therefore, I can enter this new year with hope. What would it be like to, having chosen to be obedient to God, to do whatever it is he leads me into, whatever he shows me I need to do in that icebreaker thing, whatever I need to do to say yes, could I then enter this new year with a new and greater hope? Absolutely. So my prayer for myself, my prayer for you, and my prayer for this church is that this, and my hope, is that this will be the greatest year we've ever had. According to God's economy, God's kingdom, God's priorities, this will be the greatest year you've ever had in your spiritual development, in your growth, in your impact on your world, and this will be the greatest year I've ever experienced. That is my hope. Get your mind right. Line up what you're going to do and live in hope every single day. Would you join me in prayer that we will have the greatest year individually and corporately that we've ever had? Let's pray. Lord God, I don't know what this coming year holds, but in a few hours, if we make it that far, it'll be obvious you're going to let us at least start this new year, and you have a reason for that, and your reasons are always good, and your intentions toward us are always good, and therefore, because of your grace, I am hopeful. Lord, I pray that this will be, and I hope in your grace, that this will be the greatest year of my life, 2018. I pray for every person here, this will be the greatest year of their life. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, as we choose to be obedient to you, follow your direction, break through whatever ice of comfort that we need to, I pray that this will be our greatest year as well. Lord, this isn't just uh, empty words. This is what I believe your scripture teaches us. And so, in hope, Because of grace, we enter this new year with thanksgiving in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.